0: Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Dallas Cowboys. This is the Cowboys Wire podcast powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary and Cowboys Wire editor, KD Drummond. Man, what a Monday night, national stage, and it really was kind of an announcement. Wasn't it, KD? Like, take notice, New York Giants, as you continue to flounder around and figure out if you got the right coach and quarterback, and take notice, Washington football team that got absolutely rolled and embarrassed by the Bills, and I don't know, that defense that was supposed to be, you know, a thing this year, it's kind of gotten exposed, and And then take notice, Eagles, right? Because they didn't look like they were on the same planet as the Cowboys last night. I think the Cowboys, legit leaders of the NFC East, dangerous playoff team. That's kind of where we're at right now. And I'm at the point where I'm expecting them to go 6-0 in the division.
1: You know, we talked about this uh, as we led up to the season, how – the national perception around the Cowboys seemed to be missing the mark. They were talking about, you know, it's Washington's division to win again and the Cowboys could be competitive. And everybody that followed the Cowboys closely and saw all of the reports out of training camp and OTAs and what the work that was being done behind the scenes in practice knew that Dak Prescott was back, the defense was energized, and there was a chance that this was going to be a very good team. But nobody nationally was willing to stake that claim. The Cowboys were quiet in the off-season after they signed Dak Prescott. There really wasn't much talk about the Cowboys in the national media whatsoever. And they kind of fell under the radar. So you saw at the beginning of the season, in the offseason, all the power rankings, the Cowboys are down like 15, 16, 18. I've seen them as low as 20 in the opening season power rankings. And nobody, for whatever reason, thought that a team that basically lost everybody to injury was going to be able to bounce back. And that's what we saw. The Cowboys definitely stake their claim to being the best team in the NFC East. Not just that. They stake their claim to being one of the best teams in the NFC on Monday night because... Great teams dominate inferior opponents, and that's what we saw. It's not about winning the close games. Anybody can win a close game. That's a, you know, the way the ball bounces. One year, you're good in close games. The next year, you suck in close games. That's what we saw from the Cowboys in 2018 turning into 2019. One year, they got all the bounces. The next year, they didn't win any close games, and that reflected in their record and their ability to make the playoffs. But teams that dominate inferior opponents, that's the team that you need to pay attention to. And that's what the Cowboys did on Monday night. They were clearly head and shoulders above the Eagles in pretty much every facet of the game, offensive line, now the defensive line, quarterback, wide receivers, cornerbacks, every single facet of the game, the Cowboys were better than the Eagles. And it showed on Monday night. And it's very, very uh, hope inspiring for how the rest of the season will play out for them.
0: Yeah, it's such a good point. Like going into that Bucks game in week one, every, nobody was giving the Cowboys a chance at all. So that narrative was definitely, it definitely leaked into the season. And everybody was saying blowout city. And, you know, we kind of, I thought the Cowboys really acquitted themselves well in that game. And then the defense uh, in this game against the Eagles, KD, right? I mean, we talked about how the Eagles struggle to score and they struggle to score, right? And uh, Jalen Hurts keeps on trying to go to that Trayvon Diggs-Devontae Smith matchup. It's just like, when, when are you going to wise up to that thing, Jalen? And, you know, Micah Parsons just all over the place. I thought Randy Gregory, Osa. I mean, the D-line, even without DeMarcus Lawrence, like you said, really good. They're just flying around and making plays. And, I, I mean, I don't know if that's all Dan Quinn or guys being healthier or what, but it just... When they're playing defense like that, they become a really scary team. And I think the national audience is watching that game being like, and you saw it all over Twitter and social media, like, whoa, whoa, the Cowboys have a defense now? It's like, whoa. I mean, I think a lot of eyes were opened.
1: Yeah, the beautiful part is that the Cowboys have a defense now, but the defense isn't playing anywhere near to their capability. Right, right. What we're seeing is individuals making standout plays, and the frequency of that should increase as they get more experience because the Cowboys defense is so young. So you see Trevon Diggs playing shutdown corner. He's clearly elevated his game from what it was at the beginning of last year and then even on top of what it was at the end of the last year. He has six interceptions in his last eight games. That's
0: that's crazy. Crazy.
1: crazy. That's that's all pro type of performance out of a second year player. He hasn't even started 16 games in his career yet because he missed several games with injury last year. So he hasn't even played in a full season worth of games and he's already playing like one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. Michael Parsons is just, he's a unicorn. I try to explain this to people. I am king, linebackers don't matter, but he's not a linebacker. He's a unicorn. He's a mythological creature <laughs> that came from the heaven and descended upon Cowboys Nation to bring us to the promised land. He's he is awesome. not a linebacker he's awesome. anymore. But there are several breakdowns defensively. Like outside of Trevon Diggs, the secondary is not playing well. The Eagles had all types of opportunities. If there was a better quarterback out there than Jalen Hurts, they could have really burned the Cowboys last night. Even Jalen Hurst ended up with 326 yards. It was a lot of yards and garbage time, but there were guys all open across the field unless Travon Diggs was, was covering them. So you're seeing bits and pieces of a defense, but the most important thing is that they're opportunistic. Not only are they getting turnovers, but the turnovers that they're getting are either point erasers or point producers. It's much different if the if the if the opposing team is driving and you get an interception at this, at your own thirty yard line, that's basically just giving your offense a new possession but if you get an interception that's on the precipice of the end zone in the end zone or a fumble right when they're at the goal line, those are plays that save points. pick sixes, put points on the board for your team, and throughout the first three weeks of the season, we've seen the cowboys get two interceptions in the end zone, one fumble on the shadow of the end, uh, a, a fourth fumble on the shadow of the end zone, and a pick six. There's four turnovers that are point-saving or point-producing plays, and those are the important things that you need to be a great defense. The rest of it will come with experience. Osa Odigizuwa and all the rest of those guys, not to mention all of the guys that are filling in because it's a laundry list of guys that are injured right now. It's not just Demarcus Lawrence. You're talking about Carlos Watkins is out. Uh, Randy Gregory missed a game from COVID. Keanu Neal was out. Bradley Anaya is out. Um, Kelvin Joseph hasn't played yet. The second round corner that's supposed to be starting opposite Trevon Diggs. There's a laundry list of guys that are missing from this defense. And to get this type of performance does nothing but bode well for how things are going to look as the season progresses.
0: Yeah, I know. And you talk about the turnover differential. And remember last year, that was a topic that we kept bringing up last year. And it was like disgusting for the Cowboys on how bad it was. And this year through three weeks, Six interceptions leads the league. Eight total takeaways leads the league. And you have the share in the league for turnover differential at plus five. So the Cowboys have literally flipped one of their biggest weaknesses into a strength. And like you said, yep. and the defense isn't even where it's going to be, you know, by midseason and beyond. Like when when guys are back playing in the positions that they envisioned. So... I, that's just a neat trick, being able to flip that thing so fast. It's
1: mind-blowing. Yeah, that, that has to do with getting rid of Mike Nolan and then getting the quality guy in charge. No doubt. in <laughs> Dan Quinn. Yeah, the, the, the increase in talent level of these defensive coordinators is mind-boggling. Uh, and you can tell in the way that the players respond – how they're going out there every week, how they talk in their interviews. Everything is different about this defense this year. Now, a lot of it has to do with Dan Quinn, but the infusion of energy that Micah Parsons brings to the table, the infusion of confidence that Trevon Diggs now has, that he has a year under his belt, all of those things are playing a role in this as well.
0: Yeah, and speaking of the coaching staff, I feel really good about the coordinators. It's the freaking head coach that I'm still worried about, KD, and I'm hoping that doesn't become the team's fatal flaw down the road. And there's something that happened here at the end of the first half that I want to get your take on. We'll do it coming up next.
2: This is the sports Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Welcome to week number four of the fantasy football season.
3: I'm Corey Benini of thehuddle.com, here to bring you strong plays. After a forgettable week three, Mac Jones, the rookie quarterback of the New England Patriots, takes on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. While normally I would avoid a rookie quarterback against this pass rush, the pass rush just hasn't been there yet for the Bucks. Only Washington has given up more points to quarterbacks, and that's mainly due to allowing a pair of rushing touchdowns. No team has given up more yardage than Tampa. There's a good chance that Tom Brady's offense will force the Patriots to throw more than they'd like. Running back Jonathan Taylor at the Miami Dolphins. Traditionally, I avoid players who are considered to be locks for lineups each week, but Taylor's been off to a sluggish start. In the event you're one of those antsy gamers who's looking to possibly bench him, a trip to the Miami Dolphins defense should do wonders. This unit has given up over 120 rushing yards, over 52 receiving yards, and a touchdown every 20.4 touches. This is a top 10 matchup across the board for fantasy football purposes. Lock in Taylor and expect a strong game despite the offensive line issues at the moment. Wide receiver Christian Kirk, Arizona Cardinals at Los Angeles Rams. Playing more than 60% of his snaps from the slot, Kirk is averaging a career high in fantasy points per game and a career high in receiving average. DeAndre Hopkins still may not be 100% by kickoff after suffering rib injury in Week 2, and he and A.J. Green will have to contend with two of the strongest cornerbacks in the NFL. Expect the strong defense by the Rams on the outside to divert Kyler Murray to throwing inside to Christian Kirk. Rookie tight end Pat Fryer moves to the Pittsburgh Steelers at the Green Bay Packers. He is clearly the go-to tight end with Eric Ebron falling way behind on the target count. And Friermuth has been more productive. This is a matchup that has game script for pass-heavy offense written all over it. Only one team has given up more receptions to tight ends than the Packers. This is the ninth best matchup to face for yardage. And this is the fourth best team to face for scoring efficiency. Target hog wide receiver Deontay Johnson is expected to return. There's no guarantee that he'll be 100%. While we may be one month into the season already, it's not too late. Go over to thehuddle.com to check out our award-winning fantasy football news, information, and advice.
2: That was your typical Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Win your fantasy football league with thehuddle.com and use them to dominate player prop bets at Typico Sportsbook. For a limited time, new Typico Sportsbook users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at usatodaybet.com slash podcast. That's usatodaybet.com Say today bet.com slash podcast. T for terms and conditions. Twenty one plus only gambling problem. Call one 800 gambler in New Jersey, one 80 4700 in Colorado.
0: All right. 13-point lead. And Mike McCarthy KD essentially punts the last 110 seconds of that first half because why? He he hates points and he he hates potential three score leads. Like how can you explain this one? You can't. <laughs> you can't. You, you can't
1: explain nope. it. No, it it was just it was just one of those things that um I mean, they try to poo-poo it. Jerry Jones came to his defense. He even uh, invoked Jason Garrett and his clock management issues. Um, (laughs) That's not a win. Uh, the, The difference is, the saving grace for Mike McCarthy is that he is aggressive, and he is aggressive to a fault. So when it comes to going forward on fourth down, doing things that, you know, the stats say, the the analytics say that you're supposed to do, Mike McCarthy is doing all of those things. So in that aspect, that's like the balancing act. He's really, really good when it comes to those kind of coaching decisions, but his clock management is absolute trash. Uh, the, the biggest problem with that he didn't call a timeout after – third down it wasn't even about the fourth down once once you didn't call a timeout on third down the fourth down didn't even matter because then you were worried about the eagles potentially going for it on fourth down because their backs were against the wall they weren't playing well you know you had to have that concern and you just let the clock run out but not calling the timeout on third down that's really the most egregious part
0: no no, i'm so glad you said that because it's so true he's so quick on the analytics stuff, like, should we go for two? Should we kick the field goal? Should we go for a first or fourth? He's always so quick with that. But for some reason, he can't look at the freaking clock and figure out when to stop it and not. Um, yeah, I, I think him deciding not to use the time out there, it doesn't really make sense either way. Because if you're if you're the team getting the ball to start the third quarter, you want to have that double score haymaker. Right. You want to have the chance to score yep, twice exactly. and to put yep. the game away. So. I guess it doesn't make sense either way, but Philly getting the ball to start the second half makes it even worse and more egregious, you know? And I just, yeah. I just hope that McCarthy being gun-shy in these moments, like we keep seeing, it doesn't become the team's fatal flaw. Like, the team doesn't take this huge jump on offense and defense, and get to the playoffs or whatever, and this becomes a fatal flaw that we're talking about after a tough playoff loss or something. I'm just, I'm hoping it doesn't materialize and kind of like manifest itself in that way.
1: You can already smell the disappointment forming in in February, in, in late January, in <laughs> yeah, February. You yeah. can already smell can. that this is what what's going to come down to, and it's very, it's very worrying, it's very troublesome. But what are you going to do? We're along for the ride. Um, the the saving grace is that if he does something like that that costs him a playoff game, that just gives Jerry Jonathan an, an excuse to fire him and make Kellen more the head coach.
0: There's no doubt about it. And yeah, th- could Mike McCarthy be the team's fatal flaw? It's possible. But now I'm coming around on the on the conspiracy theories thing with the Cowboys. KD, I, I mean. I, I usually Thank get a you. kick out of you guys on Twitter. I, I follow a lot of you Cowboys guys. And it's hilarious. And, and watching you guys commentate. And there's always a call or something that goes against you guys. And you, it's, it's hilarious. I, I, honestly, I'm here for it. Monday night. This was the last straw. I'm full-blown conspiracy. Like, how was that not a touchdown for Dak Prescott? The ball was clearly over the line in his possession. And they call it short. Like, I'm full-blown conspiracy, man. Now I believe with you. That's, aside from Mike McCarthy, I'm worried about the conspiracy thing biting the Cowboys and that holding
1: us back. We've we've known this for a long time. (laughs) I believe you now. The referees do whatever they can do to keep games interesting. And they know that people are going to tune in whenever the Cowboys are involved. So they don't worry about whether or not the Cowboys win or lose. But they do things to keep games close. And if it's against the Cowboys, you know, so be it. That's kind of just how the league looks at it. Um when you look back over the history, when you look at penalty calls over the years, the Cowboys are always on the short end of the stick when it comes to penalty calls. Like, And I'm talking not just you know over the last two or three years. I'm talking about 20, 30 years. You look historically at the league. The Cowboys are always on the short end of the stick when it comes to penalty calls against them or not being called against the other team. It is amazing when you look at the numbers. I wish I had them in front of me, but it's a very lopsided thing so there's actual data that shows that the Cowboys get screwed by the refs. Cause you would imagine over 30 years that penalties more or less should be even between the team and their opponents. It's never the case for the Cowboys year after year. We see this and it's, and it manifests itself in things like last night, the Cowboys were thoroughly dominating the Eagles. And if they had called that a touchdown, people would have turned off their television. So they decided, you know what the Cowboys are going to win this game running the way. Anyway, let's not give them the touchdown, give Philly a little bit of a fighter's chance and just, Unnecessarily, they called it. I mean, if you're looking at that, Prescott scored twice. He was over the goal line the first time, and then he reached a ball over on the second effort to score again. And they decided not just live view, but also when they looked at the replay and you could piece it together, where he extended the ball, you saw the ball sitting on top of an offensive lineman that had his entire body (laughs) in the end zone. And they still called it short. It was just, it was crazy.
0: Yeah, egregious, egregious. Again, conspiracy theories. Sign me up. I'm, I'm on board. Uh, usually, I'd be here rolling my eyes, laughing along with you, Katie. All right. No, I'm, I, I fully subscribe after Monday night. So, all right, Cowboys. Welcome, welcome to the tinfoil hat brigade. I'm here. Yeah, give you. The, uh, yeah, I know you have a few of those. Send me one, <laughs> will you? I'll get, I'll get you the address. Uh, all right. Fun game with the Cowboys coming up. They got a three and O Panthers team coming up back at home. Uh, we'll get into the matchup coming up. But first, our friends at the Sportsbook Wire have their play of the week.
2: This is the Typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting. Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of Bet and Podcast and SportsbookWire.com. Here with my colleague Jeff Clark to break down the marquee Sunday night football matchup between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New England Patriots. The Buccaneers are six and a half point road favorites at minus 122 odds in the battle of Tom Brady versus Bill Belichick. Buccaneers are my pick to win by seven or more. This line seems soft. I don't care about Brady Belichick. This is a Super Bowl caliber Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense, hasn't looked apart so far. Better days are ahead, and those are going to come against rookie Matt Jones and the Patriots. Jeff.
3: I'm with you. I got the Buccaneers. I'll lay more than a touchdown or whatever it gets to. Brady's got all the motivation and all the help around him that Belichick doesn't. And Mac Jones is graded out or, excuse me, is discussed as if he were better than the rookie quarterbacks, whereas I think he's as bad as the rookie quarterbacks. And we should see a get right game for the Tampa Bay defense that struggled through the first three weeks. I'll lay whatever with the Bucs. Let's just call it a touchdown.
2: That was your typical sports book.
0: All right, KD, Cowboys home against the Panthers. Looking at the typical sports book, they are four-and-a-half-point favorites at the time of our recording. And I think this is kind of a fun matchup because Sam Darnold and the Panthers are 3-0. and But I want to get your take on this. Are they a contender or a pretender right now in your eyes, right? Like, they've lost a couple key pieces on that Thursday night game last week against uh, the Texans, losing Christian McCaffrey on offense and J.C. Horn on D. So got some injuries, but they're 3-0. and contenders or pretenders what do you think
1: i'll have to lean pretender uh just because of the way that their schedule is kind of broken down they played two really bad teams and then the good team that they played had a COVID outbreak and they had no coaches on the field for the game so there was nobody for the players to come off the field to and talk to and coach themselves up uh it was just you know they're three and oh based on circumstances does that mean that they're a bad team no i don't believe so i think that uh, that guy phil snow has their defense humming. J. C. Horn was a big loss. Clearly, the loss of Christian McCaffrey on offense for however long he's going to be sidelined is a death sentence for their offense because he is so integral to what they want to do. Yep. Uh, but they have a lot of talent in Carolina. They're just not three and zero talented. They're like a you know two and one fortunate win type of team. Sure, but that doesn't mean that they won't be competitive uh, next Sunday against the Cowboys. They absolutely can go into AT&T Stadium and pull off the upset. But it would be an upset just despite the fact that they have a better record. Dallas is a better team, but that That does not mean anything once you get out on the field.
0: Yeah. As you mentioned, the teams that the Panthers have faced, uh, they've only allowed 30 total points. So you look and I know their defense is getting a lot of love, but they've played the Jets, Saints and Texans. And all three of those offenses are in the bottom 10 of the league in yards per game right now. So, yeah, I I see no reason why we shouldn't be backing the Cowboys at minus four and a half at home. Money line at minus 210 on Tipico. I like that number. Four and a half points. Yes, I think I'm laying the points in the matchup. You haven't made your pick quite yet, Katie. What do you think?
1: Um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, give the points, and I would say two units on this. Okay. I'm, I'm okay. confident, but I'm not, I'm not as confident as I was going into the Eagles game. Um, I think this is a, this is a different animal. They clearly outclass the Eagles, but the Panthers are the perfect trap opponent, which gives you pause. Um, but I, I would still feel confident putting a little bit down on the Cowboys.
0: Okay, I feel that. And then, you know, we've been making money on the Cowboys overs. I and mean, hit last week for sure. I mean, if they could hit 62 points with the Eagles, who, as we talked about last week, can't score. And we saw that again until garbage time. Uh, they they finally put some points on the board offensively. Uh, 50 and a half is this line. Carolina, they've got a little bit of juice on offense. I like DJ Moore a lot, although maybe Trayvon Diggs is on him. We'll have to see. Uh We'll have to see what that offense looks like without McCaffrey. But I feel like the Panthers have a little bit of juice on offense at least. And the Cowboys are the Cowboys. So, you know, the, the overs have been hitting except for that game against the Chargers. But 50 and a half seems like a gettable number for the over again. I mean, Cowboys and the over. That's kind of been what we've been going with most of the time this year. But I feel like the overs in play again. What do you think?
1: First of all, go Turks So, DJ Moore, you will never hear me say a disparaging word about DJ Moore. He's a good player. Go Turks He is a phenomenal player. Yep. yep. Um, And and they do have weapons. I I like Robbie Anderson. I like the young kid, Terrence Marshall, that they got in the draft. Um, Sam Darnold is the biggest question mark. And if Christian McCaffrey was in this game, I'd say shootout, no problem. And I know I say I will always bet the over when it comes to Kellen Moore. But without Christian McCaffrey, the Carolina Panthers offense, I just don't know if they'll be one-dimensional. Let's say Travon Diggs um, shuts down DJ Moore. I don't think he will – in the same way that he did Devontae Smith, who is just inexperienced, uh, or the way that he did Mike, Mike Evans in the first week. Um, I think this is more of a you know Keenan Allen type of matchup where it might not be a good completion percentage, but DJ Moore is going to get his work. He's going to get three, four completions. He's going to get 75 to 90, maybe even 100 yards. I don't think it's going to be a true shutdown performance for Diggs again. There are points for Carolina to be had. I think that they barely squeaked past the 505 I'm looking at a game like, you know, 28 for the Cowboys, and then whatever that would be, 24. For, for for the Panthers. I, I, I think that the Panthers can score, but it's, it's going to be interesting. I still think even without J.C. Horn, the Panthers' defense is going to be the best thing that the Cowboys have seen, and I know they only scored 20 points against the Chargers. The Panthers' defense is better than that, but I think the Cowboys left some points on the board against the Chargers, and I don't think that's going to be the case this week. So, um, yeah, 28-24, somewhere in that range. Um, I said that, you know, give the point so let's call it thirty to twenty two or whatever you want to finagle it to get past the four and a half points.
0: <laughs> okay. I like it. So you're you're leaning over but you're not like feeling the over, right? It's kind of that thing.
1: Yeah, I, I yeah, I I would rather I would rather bet the spread than the over under.
0: I feel that. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. So Should be a good game. Cowboys Panthers. I'm looking forward to it. It's an interesting little matchup, kind of different, two different kind of teams. Looking forward to that. I think we'll be back next week to break it all down, Katie. But as uh, you know, we've talked off the air. uh, My wife and I have a baby on the way any day now, either this week or next. So hopefully we're back next week to break it down. If not, I guess we got to we got to come back as soon as possible after the fact. (laughs) So unless there's a baby, uh, we'll be back next week. Does that sound good?
1: (laughs) congratulations first of appreciate all and as somebody who has a lot of ex- i have a lot of experience in new dadding so i will definitely say i will see you after the baby is here <laughs> for a couple months man but but yes definitely congratulations and good luck to everybody man i'm very very happy for you
0: yeah much appreciated i'll be uh, i'll be leaning on you for uh, advice as i go forward in this new journey You so go cowboys we'll be back uh, as soon as possible we'll say that we'll talk to you then